Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm preaching, starting a new series today called The Other Side. The Other Side. No, 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 no. And today I'm preaching about the other side, and the first one is going to be on. Okay, it's going to be on hell. I'm just sorry. I'm just. We're preaching about hell today. And um, I didn't hear a bunch of people go, oh, yeah, I'm excited. God, this is awesome. So, um, two weeks I'm preaching here. Today I'm preaching about a subject you hardly ever hear about in churches anymore. But I need to talk to you about it. And I, you've asked me to be your pastor or you're in this room today. And you, you, need, you need truth in this day. I need truth. I need truth. So if you'll give me the license. I know you heard about hell and VBS 47 years ago. And it scared the... Well, it scared you. But I'm not trying to scare you today. Fear lasts about that long. I'm here to preach truth from the Word of God that is life-changing. Is that fair? Is that fair? You may be seated. What you believe, and I'm in it right now, all right? So if you're taking notes, you want this one. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. Today, if you believe you're an accident, and if you believe that you go nowhere when this thing is over, you're going to live only for today. Only for today. And it's going to show in every facet of every area of your life because what you believe about eternity determines how you live in the now. 74% of Americans believe in heaven. That's a pretty high number. Only 4 in 10 believe those who do not know Christ spend eternity in a place called hell. One half half of 1% of people believe that they are personally going to hell. And the reason why is because most people believe that the ones that are going to hell are the murderers and the rapists, the death row people. And so that's why it's one half of 1% absolutely actually believe that they are going to hell even though they're not living and they are happy to say they're not living a God-driven life. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road 
that leads to life and only a few find it. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about why does hell exist? Why does hell exist? Hell exists for God to deal with Satan. Hell was created for Satan and all of his, the angels that fell out of heaven. God created this place called hell to put the devil in. And I know that when I say the devil, and we're not going to get weird and goofy here today, we're going to stay in the Word. But when we say the devil, you think of this guy in a cute little red suit and with a pitchfork and some horns. And because we watch so many movies and so much Hollywood-driven stuff, we've got Hellboy out there. And uh, in my generation, we had music from ACDCs and different things that talked about hell. And I've never in my life heard so much about hell from Hollywood talking about it. And I think what they're doing is they're desensitizing the seriousness of it. Is that all right for me to say? And, and they're taking away this thought that we have. But let, let me be real clear with you. The devil is the very embodiment of evil. And let me tell you who he really is. He is behind every addiction, every abuse, even the ones that the world is blaming on, but why God? The devil was behind that. Fear, every pain, every shame, the devil is behind it. He is called this. He is called the destroyer, the deceiver, the dragon, the dark angel, the serpent, the adversary, the enemy, the tempter, the wicked one, the thief, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, the angel of abyss. And he's come here to steal your joy, to kill your faith, to destroy your health, to ruin your finances, to obliterate your marriage, and he wants your kids. This is not a creature that is some passive little Hollywood thing. This is serious, serious business. Well, welcome to church today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, let me give you this scripture. It's John wrote this scripture in Revelations 20 and 10. He says, And the devil who deceived them, he's a deceiver who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So because of the fall of man, the devil got to tempting, and the fall of man, hell was created for Satan and the angels that fell, but, but so many people bit the sin that the devil offered. So many people stepped into it. 
in this wonderful life that God had created and raised up and built for man, a life full of life. So many people chose to not choose what he had offered. And so many people chose the way of sin that the Bible says that hell hath enlarged itself. In other words, this, hell is having revival. Hell hath enlarged itself, and so what was created for the devil and the fallen angels has now enlarged itself to hold also those who chose the devil's ways. Does that make sense? And so hell exists for God to deal with unbelievers. And this is where it gets really tricky and nobody wants to talk about this part. But this is where things get complicated. And right now you want to maybe throw your red flag up and go, not fair right there. That is not fair. How I just can't put wrap my brain around that God could send good people to hell. Like, like my neighbor does not believe in Christ, is not a follower of Christ, but I can't, they're good people and I can't imagine that they are going to hell and they like make me brownies and stuff. And anybody that makes you brownies can't go to hell. So I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine, I can't wrap my brain around this and almost everyone that would argue this idea. Listen to this closely. Almost everyone that would want to argue that idea is almost equally outraged anytime there is any form of injustice on earth. Somebody, somebody's got to pay, they will say. Somebody, if you hurt someone, someone has to pay for that injustice. Am I right? And the same people that will say that there is no way that this person could go to hell, I I don't want to serve a God like that, is the same people that want others to pay when they see them do wrong. Because injustice needs to be paid for. And, and, and yet the same people argue for a God of love that has mercy, that has grace without justice. People today, and this is the ultimate thing right here, and the Bible talks about that, but people today want to remake God in their own image. We want to build us our own little God to justify our own lifestyles that we can live comfortably in sin. And so now we have people doing anything and everything under the auspices and the name of God because they have remade their God in their own image. And God is a jealous God, the Bible talks about. In other words, He doesn't want any other so-called little G gods try to be put in front of Him. But we in this generation have built so many gods to fit our lifestyles. Come on, I know it's a tough subject. But come somebody say amen. And God is love, right? So He is going, he is going to wink 
towards my sin. He is going to just kind of wink at it and not know, is, is, he, is he holy? Is he righteous? Absolutely. But for you, for you, no big deal. Man, no big deal. It's cool. It's no thing. You do what you want. It's cool. You can do whatever you want. I will just look the other way. Now listen to this statement, and you might want to snap a picture of this. It is impossible for God to be holy without being just. It is impossible. Say that with me. Would you do that? It's impossible for God to be Man, listen to the scripture. And this is written by the good Lord and laid this on the heart of man to write. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 9, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. I, I, I'm going to just tell you folks right now, this is not fun to talk about. I'd rather be talking about peace and joy and happiness. And, and we do all of that here. And by the way, if this is your first day to visit Parkway, you're going, I knew it. I knew it. He's a hellfire brimstone. He's going to preach this every week. I don't know. Come on, church. Rest of the church, give me some love, please. Help me. Now, are y'all clapping because that is... <laughs> no, but, 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 but I, I have to preach the Word. I have to preach the Word. No fun to talk about it. But people that, listen to this closely, don't, that don't accept the reality of hell never can appreciate the glory of the gospel. And so the gospel becomes something weak. It becomes not a big deal. I can set it on the shelf and I can take it off because we no longer accept the reality of hell. And you can never, if you do not accept the reality of hell, you're never going to really, really appreciate the glory of the gospel. I want to I kind of give you a, a brief glimpse of hell. Uh, we have a, a, a particular story that really kind of gives us just a peek, just a peek, and I want to use that one. It's Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 21, and it reads as this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple. Purple uh, purple was a, uh, a dye that they used, obviously, in that time that was just no one else could, no one else could have that dye because of the expensive nature of it, but... but because it, it was so expensive, but it was purple. It, purple was that color, and that's why it was used in royalty. And so this, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple. He was Kardashian-type rich. <laughs> and he had fine linen. He had fine linen. And so he had two things that marked him there as a very, very wealthy man. He was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate, now that's one man, and at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. And Lazarus was covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich, man, <clears throat> from the rich man's table. In other words, he had crumbs. 
from the table. The rich man, if you really get into the context or really study the background of this, the rich man would use the dough from the bread to help start cleaning his hands. He was so wealthy, he was using a food product to clean his hands. And as he would do this, as he would do this, crumbs would fall around the table of it. And the poor man just said, if I could just have some of those crumbs, if I could just take just just that, that's all I would be interested in having. And the rich man would have none of it. He could not. He would not. And both men died. So then what happened? Luke chapter 16, verse 22 through 24, and we get a glimpse of two dudes that kicked the bucket. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, now notice this, in Hades where he was in torment. Now, we read this here, and I'm kind of giving you the background on this to kind of give you a little information, but in Hades where he was in torment, Hades is the Old Testament word sheol. S-H-E-O-L, Sheol. And it is a temporary place for those who do not believe in Christ that go to that it's a place of torment, but it's not hell. Later on, they would be judged and thrown into hell. But there is this place, and we get a glimpse of it here, and that's why this word is used here, Hades. Hades is not hell. (laughs) And so the angel described what happened to those who were separated from Christ. And so we get a picture here of those who were separated from Christ. And here we go, verse 10. They too will drink from the wine. Oh, let me read the rest of the scripture I was reading. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham. That's a song that you used to sing in Sunday school that you stayed up all night going, that that Father Abraham. Father Abraham, listen to what he says, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And, boy, this is a tough cry. And send Lazarus, going back to the poor guy, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my Tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. And so we get the first glimpse of Hades, of what's going on in Hades. And the angel described what happened to those who were separated from Christ. And it's not a pretty picture. Verse 10, I want to read to you from Revelations 14, 10 through 11. It says this, They too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of His wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. The Greek word translated as hell is not the word Hades, it's the word word Gehenna. Gehenna. And it means a place of everlasting punishment. 
And I could give you the background on the word Gehenna, but for time's sake, I'm not. But hell is a nonstop, eternal fire that is torturous suffering and unending pain. There's nothing beautiful about that. It's the land of no more good. It's a land of no more laughter, no more peace, no more friendship, no more joy, no more hope, no more second chances. It's a place of no more. And I would say the worst thing about it is that God is not there. Luke chapter 16, 27 through 28, rich man. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. Well, this is, this is heart-wrenching right here. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to the place of torment. I, I can't go back and preach to them. I can't go back and change their mind. I can't go back and live a different life and show my brothers what it is to live a God-centered life. I can't. But would you please let somebody warn my five brothers that they do not want to come here. I would, also, I would say the greatest preachers, if we could have this, the greatest preachers that could ever touch the face uh, touch this earth would be the ones if we could bring them back the hardened criminals the tough people the people that didn't serve Jesus the people that chose to live life and push Jesus out and serve themselves and serve the enemy it's those people that if they could come back from the grave would be the greatest evangelists of all times am I telling the truth today and we see a glimpse of that through this text and he said, I, I just, I need you to send somebody that's still alive to go preach to them. And of course, Abraham begins to say, he has, they have those. I've already placed people to preach to them. And they will have to hear and believe and receive. I want to give you four lessons today from the other side. Four things you, you can jot down from the other side. Four lessons for you to learn. Number one. The rich man was fully conscious and fully aware. And by the way, he didn't go to hell because he was rich. The rich man was fully conscious and aware. He had a full memory of what he did or didn't do. We see him experiencing great pain, but the worst pain that he felt was the pain of regret. Greater than any fleshy pain that he could feel was the pain going on in his brain of what if. I shouldn't have. Number two, the rich man's eternal destiny was irrevocably fixed. Nothing he could do to reverse this situation. Nothing he could do. It was done. It was done. Number three, the rich man knew that his suffering was just. 
that it was fair. He complained about the pain, but he never complained about the injustice. He never said, I didn't deserve this. He only talked about the pain and those that were still alive that they could be reached. But he knew what was happening to him was fair. He knew what would happen to his brothers if they didn't trust Christ. And number four, the rich man begged and pleaded for someone to help his brothers know Jesus. Why would I talk about something today that is so hard to talk about? Because, again, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. And, and if, if I was the devil, if I was the devil, I would try my best to convince you that hell was not real. I would try my best if I was the devil to try to convince you not to take hell very seriously. And I would desensitize any sense that you had about eternity. I would try my best and I, once I convinced people of this, if I was the devil, then they would live however that they would want. They would justify all of their sins and they would reject Christ and there would be no fear of God at all. If I was the devil, of course I would strip any form of belief in eternity. If I was the devil, I would try to convince believers of the same. And if I could convince believers, this is what they would do if I could convince them they would relive ridiculously self-centered lives. They would idolize comfort. They would reject every bit of sacrifice in their lives. They would avoid persecution if it presented themselves. And they would fall in love with the world. And they would very rarely ever share the good news of the gospel. For why share it? Because it has no consequences in it that if you don't. You may be saying, I'm, I'm not really sure that I want to serve a God like this that, that would send good people to hell. People that, they're good, they just don't have not chosen Jesus. And so, I don't know if I want to serve a God like this. You may be even thinking right now, I don't even know if I want to go to a church that preaches this today. I want to go to something that just always just makes me feel good and I'm about feeling good and I believe that we'll leave here today feeling better. But, this may be, listen closely, may be the number one root problem and misbelief about our nature and God's nature. Listen closely. This could be the number one belief. It could be the root problem of the, is this misbelief about our nature, who we are, and about who God is. Because God, listen to this, because God, God does not send good people to hell. (laughs) 
He doesn't send good people to hell. You say, well, it's not fair. Good people are going to go to hell. This is the catcher for you. You ready? I hate to hurt you with this one, but here we are. We are not good. <laughs> because you can make brownies for your neighbor doesn't mean you're good. We are not good. Listen to this. We have all sinned. Yeah, yeah, even the real religious people with your halo floating very beautifully over your head. You have sinned. I have sinned. I have stolen things. I have told lies. I have made mistakes. And I have a feeling I might be in good company. Our heart is wicked. You got to hear me, it's wicked. No, they have a good heart. No, they don't have a good heart. There is a wickedness in, in their heart. Well, they're a good person. No, they, there's, there's, there's things up in that heart. If you for a moment stood in the holiness presence of who God is, you would recognize the depth of your wickedness and unrighteousness. But we compare ourselves among ourselves to make ourselves feel bigger. But when I get to the basis of the Word of God, my neighbor is stripped out, this one's stripped out, and it's me and God. And me and God, when it's just me and Him facing, I, my righteousness is as... It's filthy rags when I stand in the holiness of who He is. We are not inherently good people. In fact, by nature, we inherited a sin nature. We are bent towards sin. We're bent towards sin. You never teach a toddler how to sin. You don't say, let's all stop here today. I want to teach you, baby, how to be selfish. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take this item from you and when I take it from item from you, I want you to fall down on the ground and kick your feet and scream, Mine! That's how we do this. You don't have to teach that to your toddler because their nature, their heart is not good. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's the way it is. You were bent towards sin. You were bent towards a nature that was not good. Now, don't worry. Before we leave here, I'm going to tell, talk to you about the goodness of God. But I've got to tell you about how bad we are. We are not good. In fact, you just say, well, I'm glad I came to church. I came for my kids. No, 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 no. I say, I hear that all the time. I don't really need God, but I come for my kids. I want to be raised. No, 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 no. You stink. You've got a bad heart. You've got a 
tough heart. You've got a heart of sin. I know you're sweet and I know you're kind and I know you'll give your, your shirt for your neighbor, but I gotta tell you, you've got a heart that's up in there that if it doesn't have the God factor, it is not good. And I gotta tell you that and I'm sorry, but I gotta break that news to you. Because God is holy and just because He is just, He must punish sin and you were born in the sin you were just a few days out of your mother's womb and you were had much sin it's in your nature you, I've got to get that across to you it's in your nature before you made a decision before you made anything it's in your nature to be a sinner you're, you, you, it's just where we are. However, I've got to tell you the good news that God is a God of L-O-V-E. He is a God of love. Come on, somebody. He is a God of love. He is a God of love. Love is not, listen to this, love is not just what He does, it is who He is. Just like your nature is not holy, it is not holy, it's not good. His is just what He is. It's in the DNA of Him. It's the nature of Christ. It's the nature of His Lordship. It's the nature of who He is. And so all the time, the world's blaming all this junk on God. How could God? How could He do this? How could He wink His eye? How? No, no, no. The nature of God is good. When good things happen to you, it's flowing from God. When goodness going on, it's flowing from God. But when bad's flowing, it's coming from the enemy. And God gets blamed. Don't you see the trick of the enemy? There's people that are not in church today because they're mad at God because something didn't go their way. Instead of them getting mad at the devil, they got mad at God. See, we're not good. Our nature is messed up. God is a God of love, man. He loves you, man. He's crazy, and I know I'm being passionate, but if there's ever a reason for me to be passionate, it's to save people from what I just preached about. Amen. What does His Word say about His love? What does His Word say about His love? It says this, John 3.16. For God so loved... Come on, help me. Come on, let's just let it sink in. This is not a, this is a big deal. Are you ready? Say it with me. You ready? For God so loved the world that He what? That whoso believes in Him. Come on, people. <laughs> Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is the what? Eternal 
eternal life in Christ Jesus our come on people in other words this if in this life this life some people got their life wrapped up in there but you know it's 70 years 80 years 90 years whatever 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 you got 60 years 40 years whatever it is you've got your life wrapped up in that this is just a little part you've got a longer life than that Okay, so your life, the biggest part of your life is on the eternal side. It's all wrapped up in who, who you are, okay? So you've got this living side where you're breathing, making decisions, and then you've got the eternal side where you reap the decisions you made. Isn't that cool? It's all life. When I lay somebody down in the grave, it ain't, it, it's not over, baby. It's just the reward for the way that you have lived in the first bit. Now, if that makes you nervous... You may want to work on this bit. And how you work on it is not more getting more righteous robes and getting more spiritual and your eyes and looking good to your neighbor. No, 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 no. You don't do it by making more brownies. You do it by falling in love with the lover of mankind. And when you fall in love with the lover of mankind, the lover of mankind says, oh, they want me more than they want that, and so I'm going to give them eternity with me. See, see, the sinner makes the decision on where he goes. It's not God putting them anywhere. It's about him just simply stepping back and going, I want you to go where you're please where you're happy and you spent your life being happy so called in that and I'm going to let you get the choice that you wanted but for a Christian who woke up on Sunday morning this morning and something in your heart a magnet in your heart says I want to be with the church I want to be with the people of God I want to be around people of like faith people who have made the same decision I have people that are in the same passion that I am and something woke you up this morning and you came to church and busted in hair's going everywhere kids are going everywhere life's not perfect but you come in saying I think there's hope in the house of God the reason why is you found Jesus in this house you found Jesus in this house. And that Jesus can save you for eternity. Y'all still love me out there? Did you ever love me out there? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now let's keep talking. Let's talk about love. Romans 5, 8 through 9. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Now this is what's crazy. This is just crazy stuff. While we were still what? Sinners. In other words, you was a sinner. Well, you was a good sinner. I don't care. You were still a sinner. While you were still sinners, Christ died for me. While I stunk. I want to just stop right here and say this. I hear people say, when I get everything right, I'll come back to church. Good luck, because that, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're, that's not going to happen. Because you need the goodness of God to get, to, get you, to get you smelling better. And what you've covered up with your temporary deodorants of life, down deep, you stink. Sorry. 
Don't leave out of here going, that pastor just thinks everybody stinks. But God, that's the beauty of God. That's why when we worship, it's a celebration. Why? We found the beauty of God, man. I remember what I used to be. I remember what I would be had it not been for Him. I was raised in the church. I was raised under a pew. I don't know the deep, dark barroom secrets. I don't really know them and I don't want to know them. But I do know this. I know what I'm bent towards. And I know I would be not the man standing in front of you. I would be a broken, messed up man. But had it not been for in in third grade, I stepped to an altar. God touched me, saved me, filled me. I was baptized in His lovely name. And He turned my life around. Am Am I perfect now? Are you crazy? I'm not perfect. I've got mistakes. I've got failures. I make mistakes. But the grace of God and the goodness of God leads me back to repentance and I fall on my knees again and say, God, I don't want that. I only want you. Even in my brokenness, help me deal with who I am. And God, get me back to the heart of you. I want your love in my life. For God, but God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight, what? I've been made right in God's sight. By the what? The what? The blood of Christ. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Look at this. Jesus' death on the cross paid the price for my junk, for my stinkiness, my sins. It's, listen to this. It satisfies God's justice for my life. His own blood line saved my bloodline. He used His own hurt, pain, and agony to, to save me from hurt, pain, and agony. What a, what every other God in the world, little G God, little G God, no big G, no capital G God, but every little G God, in other words, want to be God. Every one of their creeds calls for this. It calls for you to get right and straighten up, but you've got to do it through your own merit. But this is the God that I serve, the one true living God that does it through His merit. Does it through what He did. He did it. He just asked you to step into it. Fall in love with Him. And I'm not asking you to fall in love with religion. I want you to fall in love with a relationship with Him. Well, what church is that? What's their denomination? I couldn't give a flip. Do you serve Jesus? Are you a Christian? I know that was a weak hand clap, but listen, it's the truth. Are you a Christian? The Bible said they called them first Christians, boom, in this place. I want to be a called a Christian. That's all I want to be, a Christian. I'm not against anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. I just want to be a Christian. That's all I want to be. I want to follow the Word of God. And I believe I'm preaching to a bunch of people that want to do the same. I want to follow the Word of God. I want to step into that.
listen to this. His death on the cross paid the price for my sin. It satisfied God justice. It displayed His amazing grace and His unquenchable love in my life. Listen to this. Come step up here, guys and girls and gals and whatever. Listen to what He did. There's a story about this. Check this out. This is amazing. He gave and exemplified His love like this. He said, He told a story. He said, there's, 90, there's, there's 99 sheep out on the side of the hill. And the shepherd says, where's the one? I had a hundred. Where's the one? Where, where'd Terry go? Sorry, Terry. Terry, Terry go, go, go stand back there by the drum booth. Not that the drum booth is the bad place. I'm just... just Where'd they go? I've got the 99. I've got the, I've got them and, and I'm thankful for this. But I didn't come to, I didn't die for just the healthy. I come to die for the broken, the lost. Where are they at? This is the love of Jesus. Well, why did a good God, no good God, nothing, didn't send anybody. No, no, this is what a good God does. This good God starts going, where, where are they at? Where, where are they? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Hey, where? You need to get back to your 99. Oh, they're good. They're good. They're good. Where, where's that one? Where's that one? I'm coming after that one. Where are they at? Where are they? Now y'all can definitely say y'all been to a wild church. They, they, I'm coming after them. I'm coming. I'm kind of give you some representation of what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm coming after them. How you doing? I'm coming. A- oh, God, help me. I'm coming after them. He said, where are they at? Where are they at? I don't see them. I don't see them. Has anybody seen Terry? Has anybody seen? I've been after Terry. I've been looking for Terry. Where's Terry? God, God. where's Terry? Where's Terry? Where? And he's running. He's looking. He's looking. There's only one. There's only one. I've been missing the one. Where's the one? I need the one. Where's the one? Is he here? Is he there? Have y'all seen Terry? Have y'all seen Terry? I'm looking for Terry. Where's Terry? Where's Terry? And then he goes. And hanging over the side of the cliff is Terry. Terry's going astray. Terry, the one lost sheep, has got himself in a mess. And he's a place where nobody else can reach him. But the shepherd, and on the end of the shepherd's staff is a hook. And he steps to the edge of brokenness and hurt and pain and all the disguises that the devil puts up as beauty. And he steps on the end of it and he reaches out across that great divide. And he wraps that that shepherd's hook around that sheep and begins to pull that sheep back to safety. And the sheep doesn't understand what's going on because he doesn't even know. He's scared to death and he's shaking and he's trembling and he's fighting against the shepherd. But the shepherd said, I know best, Bubba. I'm sacrificing my life. I'm on the edge for you. But we got to make it together. I love you that much. And he pulls him pulls him back in 
to safety. He gets him back in the fold. He gets him back in the fold. And when he gets him back in the fold, <laughs> dear God, when he gets him back in the fold, do you think Terry cannot praise God? Can you think at this moment that Terry is going to sit back and say, I don't even know if there is a God. No, no, no. This is Terry. He's saying, I found freedom! I found freedom! He's going to say stuff like this. I once was lost. But now I'm found. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed bearing for bread. I am once lost, but now I'm found. I have been saved by the goodness and the grace of an almighty God. See there, I didn't come to scare you about hell. I come to tell you about the love of Jesus. man, I come to tell you about the love of Jesus. I come to tell you about the love of Jesus. He once loved me. He found me. He gave me hope in my despair.